0: informed, and inspired.
1: We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and
2: information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's
3: fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time.
0: And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023. It's the Feast of St. Ansfried. St. Anne's Free, the Count of Brabant, led a successful military career before dedicating his life to God. He founded an abbey in Heiligenberg and a convent at Thorn, which were here built with the financial support of his wife. Together, they agreed to live as brother and sister in perfect chastity. When he retired from his military career, he proclaimed his dedication to fighting for the glory of God and the conquest of souls. Ansfrid was later appointed Bishop of Utrecht, but he continued to take leave of his work to make retreats at one of the monasteries that he had founded. He died in 1010 and was soon recognized for his saintly life. The life of St. Ansfrid shows the unity of a life lived in continuous combat in both the spiritual and temporal spheres. He was a knight-errant fighting on behalf of the poor widows and orphans for the love of Christ. And later, as a bishop, he fought for the salvation of souls. This attitude is in contrast with the pacifist mentality of our times that sees any combat, be it ideological or material, as evil in itself. The life of St. Ansfried invites us to imitate his militancy and enjoy the fight for a superior cause, which is the cause of Our Lady. St. Ansfried, pray for us. Good morning to you. Happy Wednesday to you. Guess what? You're only, uh, you're almost rather halfway through the week. Praise be to God. You have made it this far and I'm sure you're going to make it the rest of the week as well. I'm very excited for you. And I'm sure that you're going to have a great weekend coming up as well. I'm looking forward to hearing about what your plans are for this weekend, but God bless you nonetheless. And it is still the Easter season. We're heading up, closing down on Pentecost. We're closing in on rather closing in on Pentecost. And speaking of Pentecost, during the season of Pentecost, the CDT team will be going through a catechism series uh, with you guys. It's going to be the St. Robert Bellarmine Catechism published by Mediatrics Press. If you want to get in on that, you're going to have to be part of our private Telegram chat. How do you do that, you may ask? Well, the way to do that is to go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Sign up for our email list there. When you sign up for our email list, We're going to send you a link to our private telegram chat. It was closed all of of Lent, but now starting up right now until Pentecost, we're opening it up again. So anybody who emails, who signs up for the email list before Pentecost, will be entered into our private Telegram chat, where we're going to go through the Robert Bellarmine Catechism. You know, one of the greatest doctors of the church, St. Robert Bellarmine, he wrote a catechism. Did you know that? Most people did not know that St. Robert Bellarmine wrote a catechism, and he did. And we're going to go through it uh, together as a community, and when we do... Uh, you could be a part of that by going to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT and joining us on our private Telegram chat that begins this Pentecost. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but good morning to you, Tito Edwards.
1: Good morning, Adrian. What a glorious day it is today to be alive here in God's great green earth. And I'm looking forward to the rest of the week, especially for today. And uh, what is it? Hump Day. Yeah, we're halfway through. We're almost there.
0: Halfway there. You yes, say. we are. Wow! Praise be to God. I am excited to hear it. Also, did you hear that uh, Twitter renamed their their organization X Corp? That's typical Elon Musk. I think mean, it's hilarious that he he just decided. I just got a I went on Twitter this morning and it was like, check out our new terms of service and. I looked it up, and I was like, well, that's kind of funny. They changed their name to XCorp. And so <laughs> there you go. We will be uh, uh, using XCorp from now on. But I think they're going to keep the, the name Twitter, of Twitter, course. Yeah. But uh, the company name is now XCorp. So pretty cool. At 15 past the hour, we're going to be talking about Pornhub blocking the state of Utah. And this is bad news. Why again? And we're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, why do people get involved in the occult? And how do they get freed? We're going to talk about this with Charles Fraun. He just published a book, Slaying Dragons, The Rise of the Occult. What exorcists and former occultists want you to know? In the next hour, we're going to talk about examples of dying well to help us live better. So, a very, very good uh, topic to be covering. We're going to talk about that in the next hour. And, of course, we have our Fear and Trembling Game show where we're going to be giving out prizes, and that uh, prize this week is from Catholic Answers. So, you're going to want to be there for uh, that conversation as well. It's a very, very worthwhile conversation. Uh, A game show where we're going to be giving away a really cool prize. With Catholic Answers, they're going to give away a book, so we're looking forward to that. So you're going to want to tune in for every moment of the Catholic Dry Time show today. It's going to be exciting. So we're beginning prayer. We're going to pray the ancient prayer to Our Lady composed in the 3rd century, maybe even earlier. It's called the Subtuum. We'll pray this prayer together, first in Latin and then in English. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Subtuum Presidium Confugimus Sancta Dei Genitrix, Nostra deprecationes ne despicias in necessitatibus. Sera periculis quintis. Libra nos vergo virgo gloriosa et benedicta. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Adrian. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Wednesday, May 3rd, and these are your headlines. Catholic News Agency is reporting Utah's bill protecting minors prompts porn site to block access to the entire state. A Utah bill that is designed to prevent minors from accessing pornography online is set to go into effect today, leading the website Pornhub to block access to all of its entire state. Ah, my comments. Mission accomplished. CatholicCulture.org is reporting in Burkina Faso, Catholics disguise as Muslims to avoid abduction. Christians can pray in safety. Catholic nurses disguise themselves as Muslims so they can travel to villages to treat patients. And Christian girls wear full-face veils to go to school so as not to be kidnapped, according to Aid in the Church in Need. Burkina Faso, a West African nation of 21.9 million, is 56% Muslim, 23% Christian, which 15% is Catholic, and the rest are ethnic religionists. CatholicCulture.org and The Pillar is reporting that one of the largest divine mercy processions in the world attracted 300,000 plus people in Maracaibo, Venezuela. Maracaibo, the second largest city in Venezuela, is nicknamed La Tierra del Sol Amada, the land of the beloved sun in English. The reason for the nickname is obvious. During the month of the year, the sun burns over the matacuchos, as locals affectionately call themselves. Temperatures often average 95 degrees and e- easily exceed, 100, exceed 110 degrees. Wow. Those are some faithful Catholics down there. Breitbart News is reporting leftists, trans, take over another capital, this time in Texas. Left-wing activists mounted another, quote, insurrection, end quote, in a state capital, this time disrupting a session of the Texas State Legislature in Austin, Texas, taking over the gallery Tuesday before, before being forcibly removed by police. Those were your headlines this morning. May God bless you all.
0: The Gospel of the Day comes from John chapter 14, verses 6 through 14. Then, at the celebration of Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced before them all. And Herod was so well pleased with her that he promised an oath to grant her whatever request she made. She had been prompted beforehand by her mother. This is not, this sounds not like the right passage, actually. Uh, But we'll finish this passage anyway. She had been prompted beforehand by her mother. Give me, she said, the head of John the Baptist. Give it me here on a dish. And the king was stricken with remorse, but out of respect for his oath and for those who sat with him at table, he granted her request. And so he had John beheaded in his prison. His head was brought in on a dish and given to the girl, and she carried it off to her mother. But the disciples gained access to the body which they took away and buried and came to all the news to Jesus. Jesus, when he had heard it, took ship from the place where he was and withdrew into desert country to be alone. But the multitudes from the towns heard it and followed there by land. So when he disembarked, he found a great multitude there, and he took pity on them and healed those who were sick. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that was—it's uh, kind of strange. I, for some reason, have the wrong passage up. Whenever uh, the had that up, it's very strange. Let's see if I can find the uh, the actual passage that we're supposed to read. Here it is. I don't know what happened there. Uh, If you had learned to recognize me, you would have learned to recognize my father too. From now onwards, you are to recognize him. You have seen him. At this, Philip said to him, Lord, let us see the father. That is all we ask. What, Philip, Jesus said to him, here am I, who have been all this while in your company. Hast thou not learned to recognize me yet? Whosoever has seen me has seen the father. What dost thou mean by saying, let us see the father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you are not my own words. And the Father who dwells continually in me achieves in me his own acts of power. If you cannot trust my word when I tell you that I am the Father and the Father is in me, let these powerful acts themselves be my warrant. Believe me, when I tell you this, the man who had learned to believe in me will be able to do what I do. Nay, he will be able to do greater things yet." It is to my Father I am going, and whatever request you make of the Father in my name I will grant, so that through the Son and the Father may be glorified. Every request you make of me in my own name I myself will grant it to you. So there is the uh, actual passage that we wanted to cover today. And let's go to what Cornelius Lapide had to say about this passage rather than the former. He says, And it sufficeth us, and at first St. Chrysostom says, We desire nothing else but to be shown the Father. Cyril says it sufficeth us for blessedness that we should be delivered from all troubles and sorrows for since the father is god he will bless us for confounding the jews who deny that thou art the son of god and more simply as though it were said instead of of all the reasons which thou o christ bring us together to console us in our sorrows for thy death we ask only one that thou would show us the father this one will sufficeth instead of all the rest He said, the reason here is because God made man after his own image and likeness. Wherefore, he gave him an infinite capacity and infinite desires, such as cannot be satisfied with any finite goods. Therefore, it is necessary that God alone, who is infinite good, should fill and satisfy that capacity. St. Augustine says, O Lord, thou hast made us for thyselfs, and our heart is restless until it rests in thee. And the same saith, lovest thou riches? God himself will be thy riches. Lovest thou a fountain of good? What is more excellent than wisdom? Once more full of light? Whatever there can be loved, he who made all things shall be thine instead of all things. Essentially, he is saying here that everything that you love, everything that you desire, the fullness of that grace is found in the Father. So if all you want is the riches of the world, well, if you cast that aside and seek for the Father instead, He who is the riches of the world, who is greater than all the material riches, will suffice you. A beautiful thing to say. And He says here, "Whatever ye shall ask the Father, thus it is said." But in the, it is the word "Father" is omitted in the Greek, Arabic, and Assyriac. The uh, however, these words have reference to what precedes in the greater works that she that He shall do. So either way. It refers to the Father, nonetheless. He here subjoins a profession of faith in the invocation of his name, and asking for those greater things, as though he said, "'I indeed, O ye apostles, am going away from you to the Father. But instead of my presence, I leave and give you the invocation of my name, and by means of it ye may ask and obtain those greater things.'" What does this imply? This implies, do not blaspheme the holy name of Jesus. Instead, recognize his holy name, for it has great power. Wherefore, Christ says, Cyril, here signifies that his own divinity and authority is the same as the Father's. For it is the glory of the Son, and by the invocation of him, the Father should give to the apostles to do greater things than he wrought by the Son during his earthly life. Now, lastly, he says, I will do it. I will cause that the father will grant unto you. Yea, I in the father and with the father will do this thing and will grant it to you. So that all power, virtue, and glory of these greater works, which ye shall do as ascribed to me, not to you. Meaning that you will do even greater things than what the son did here on earth. You will do greater ones if you do it in his name. For in his name, he and the father will be acting. This is a very important thing to note. And whenever he says, whatever you ask will be given to you, well, he imp- here implies the good things. Here he implies the virtues, the graces, the gifts of the Holy Ghost. These things, not, oh, Lord, grant me a Lamborghini. Probably not that. Probably not that. When we come back, there's more of Captain Drive Time right after this.
4: Hey, Donnie, what two important things do we receive when we go to Mass?
1: Scripture and the Eucharist.
4: Great job. You're so smart. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on.
2: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Many committed Christians hold to this axiom. If it's in the Bible, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, here you go. 1 Timothy 2 states the following about women as related to church life. No braiding the hair, no gold jewelry, no pearls. Just learn in silence and do not teach. Does your pastor comply with these biblical instructions? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, an unpleasant fact. Many self-proclaimed Bible-only churches, sadly, will pick and choose what parts of the Bible are implemented in the life of the church. Secondly, Catholic catechism. Be especially attentive to, quote, the content and unity of the whole scripture. And thirdly, a tough comeback. In order to understand the sacred author's intention, we must take into account culture, audience, and the literary genre. So if your Bible-only church does not strictly obey those instructions, then tell me the reason why. Well, we know, you know, 80% of your church is handled by women. So with those instructions in force, many women will leave your church, maybe even the pastor's wife. Ouch.
0: And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, there was a lot of things that were very concerning in the news today. I was uh, trying to figure out, what, okay, okay, we have 15 minutes. Let's see, which topic should I cover? I decided to start with this one right here. Biden administration sending 1,500 troops to southern border. Now, this is uh, both good news and bad news. Bad news in the sense that that we need that. The good news is that we're finally doing it because we've been wanting to try to suppress this horrible invasion from the southern border, uh, most of which are not coming from Mexicans, actually. It's coming from Mexico, but not from Mexicans. It's mostly people from all over the world, actually. Now, here it says U.S. officials are expecting a surge of more than 35 1,000 migrants flooding through El Paso after Title 42 ends. The new troops will be performing administrative functions and will augment the 2,500 military personnel who are currently providing support along the U.S. border with Mexico, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security said in a statement. In preparation for the return of Title 8 immigration enforcement, the State Department and the Department of Homeland Security are implementing sweeping measures With our regional partners to reduce irregular migration to ensure safe, orderly, and efficient processing and promptly remove individuals without a legal basis to remain in the United States. Now that I read that and I hear, okay, they're going to try to prevent the flood of people coming in, but they're probably going to let a lot of people in anyway because they specifically says without a legal basis to remain in the United States, which we have made the legal basis incredibly broad, so... A lot of people, it seems, will probably be able to come in nonetheless. It says here the troops will come from, from Army and Marine units, are expected to begin arriving on May 10th, and will be on a 90-day temporary deployment. Uh, these 1,500 military personnel will fill critical ca- ca- capability gaps, such as a ground-based detection and monitoring, data entry, and warehouse support until CBP can address these needs through contracted contracted support. He added that over time the soldiers could potentially be replaced by National Guard troops, reserve forces or contractors. El Paso, Texas, which borders Mexico has declared a state of emergency while city officials are preparing for a flood of more than 35,000 migrants who are currently stuck in the violent Mexican city of Juárez just a few miles away. Now, many people are kind of will say things like, "Oh, we should let these people in." and things like that. But let me ask you, in your city, wherever your your city is, whether it's a large city like Houston or a small city like Midland, can your city handle 35,000 people just showing up? Not over time, in one day, in the course of a month, in the course of two months. Could your city handle 35,000 new people? Do they have housing for that? Do they have the infrastructure for that? Do they have hospitals for that? Do they have law enforcement for that? Do they have fire for that? Do they
1: nope. have the resources? No, they don't, Adrian. Yeah, and, and you know why I know this? The, the news. New York City, er, Eric Adams, the mayor, is complaining, and he's got mm, about two or 3,000 people total that were shipped over there. They just started shipping yesterday to Chicago, and before they started sending the illegals to Chicago— the Mayor Lightfoot of Chicago started complaining that they do not have the infrastructure. This is Chicago, the second largest city and third largest city in America, and New York, the largest city in America, both of them complaining of a total of 2,000 illegals. And here we have 35,001 day. And then, and then to top it all off, on Monday, Catherine Jean-Pierre, the spokesperson, For the Biden administration claimed, well, she claimed, she said, 90% drop in illegals. A day and a half later, Biden sends these troops. Talk about a disconnect between our president and what's happening in the border and how our cities and towns here in Texas, New Mexico, California and Arizona are having to deal with this influx. You make great points there, Adrian.
0: It's uh, very important to keep in mind. I get people to say things like, oh, we have to be merciful to these people. But what about the people in those cities? And like you said, 2,000 people immigrants coming to uh, New York and they're like, oh, no, we can't handle this. And they're like uh, having a crisis. And yet El Paso, which it's a it's a very big city. I mean, it's not Houston, but it's a it's the 22nd largest city in America it ho ha- it houses about seven hundred thousand people uh currently, around seven hundred thousand. And if you had thirty-five thousand show up, or did I say thirty-five or forty-five? Um it's show up thirty-five. Oh, yeah, thirty-five. Uh, thirty-five thousand people show up, that is a massive influx. And that's gonna also bleed into all the surrounding cities. They're not all gonna stay in El Paso, and a lot of these surrounding cities are these small Texas towns that have a population of a couple hundred, a couple thousand at most, ten thousand, they would have their population would be uh, would be majority <laughs> immigrants than it would be the actual natives to the city, which is kind of funny. Um, so let's keep that in mind when we have this discussion. That not only is this a question of morality of bringing people in, it's not just a question of policy and all these other things. It's also a a, a question of what are we doing with the people of that city? What are we doing for those people, but also the, the immigrants who themselves will need the services of the government, which they will be able to provide. So let's move on to this story over here. It's the Timcast News reports uh, by Hannah Brimbello says, Pornhub blocks Utah in response to age verification law. I'm thinking, okay, why is this a bad thing? So let's read what the rest of the story says. The largest pornography website in the U.S. has blocked the state of Utah after the state legislator passed an age verification requirement. So shouldn't it just be necessary to have an age verification requirement? Don't they already have that for like gambling and things?
1: Simple logic.
0: So if if you have to verify your age in order to, per, to participate in online gambling and things like that, Let's just, let's just assume that we shouldn't outright ban pornography, which we definitely should do. But let's just say that we shouldn't. Well, at the very least, everybody generally agrees that you have to be at least 18 to look at pornography. Well, what's stopping us from putting at least an age verification service? And not just an age verification service where you just punch your name, but how about something that makes you want to plug in your ID? And so to confirm that you are, in fact, the age you claim you are. Well, that just makes sense. We do it for gambling. Why not for this? It's a very common sense. So uh, the state of Utah does it, and Pornhub blocks the entire state in response, which, I mean, okay. (laughs) Win-win. Yeah, I'm fine with that. But here it says, A new Utah law requires a website that hosts porn to verify the age of viewers to prevent minors from accessing adult content. Yeah, let's let's push for this in every state in America. The law, which goes into effect May 3rd, that would be today, also grants parents the right to sue pornography website for damages if they do not enforce the age verification requirement. Lord God, please let parents just sue Pornhub out of existence. That would be amazing. That would be absolutely wonderful. While safety and compliance are at the forefront of our mission, Giving your ID card every time you want to visit an adult platform is not the most effective solution for protecting our users. In fact, we'll put children and your privacy at risk, Pornhead said in a statement. Okay, so uh, it said it will put your children – how will it put your children at risk? That's question number one. And number two, it will – and it will put your privacy at risk. That is true, and that, I think, is the real reason why most people will not push for these kind of things to happen. I think the big, the big reason why they will not push for this in every state in America is because your average American adult does not want. They do want to look at pornography and they don't want to put in their ID because they want to stay private. It's uh, there was a joke. I think it was um, a Norm McDonald who made a joke about this. He, I will make it a PG. He basically said. Oh, yeah, pornography is that, that wonderful thing that is, there's nothing wrong with in which you do in the, in, the, in the silence of your room when you turn the lights out and want nobody around to see it. Um, it's like, oh yeah, exactly, because it is disgusting. <laughs> so, yeah, if you, yep. if you try to pretend that it's not disgusting, well, you're, in a, you're just deceiving yourself. And how do we know that you're deceiving yourself? Because people don't talk about it publicly. People don't. They do it in the silence of their room with their lights off, and they don't want to put their ID in. Because they, they don't want anybody to know that that's what they're doing. So it's very clear that that's the real reason why people are doing this. Now, it says here, Until a real solution is offered, we have made the difficult decision to completely disable access to our website in Utah. Praise be to God. Please contact your representatives before it's too late and demand device-based verification solutions that make the Internet safer while, user, while also respecting your privacy, the company added. Let's not do that. Let's let's do the opposite of that. MindGeek, uh, Pornhub's parent company, added the same message to his other sites, uh, Brazzers, YouPorn, and RedTube per Axios. Senator Todd Whaler proposed an age verification requirement in January. So thank you to Senator Todd Whaler. I don't even know if he's a Republican or a Democrat or whatever. I don't care. I don't care, I too. Uh, I think it's good that he did it. It says here, It is a continuation of our efforts to try and protect our children from hardcore pornography. I agree, however, they can just drop out the word hardcore and just say pornography, and that would be sufficient. So all of this, uh, there's much more to be said here, but this needs to be something that is done all over America. It is uh, very good to ban this, and like I said about, we talked about this in the past, about gradualism, how the left likes to use gradualism, this can also be used in our benefit. Would I prefer if the entire country just banned pornography outright? One hundred percent. Same. But let's not let the uh, the perfect be the enemy of the good. So this is a good thing. Let's push for this kind of thing. If this is what required, because we got to take steps to reckon to make the public recognize that this is harmful to the public, harmful to our children and ultimately harmful to themselves. So let's celebrate this and let's uh, look forward to to more things like this.
1: Yeah, I strongly suggest call your state legislature and get the ball moving on this in your states where, you, where you're listening, whether it's Florida or Alabama, here in Texas, wherever you're listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network, get on the phone and contact your state legislature and get get this moving, man. This is a great idea. I, I, I love state rights. Here we go.
0: And if you're in a state that is doing this, well, contact a representative to let them know that you agree with them because right now they're going to get a flood... Of calls, of emails, of protest, saying "How dare you!" and people saying "Bring it back!" and things like that. So, if you agree with this law, contact your local senator and tell them, "Hey, thank you for doing this. I support this decision." They need to hear positive affirmation when it comes to these kind of things as well. However, I think the call from the um, from Pornhub and from the parent company MindGeek from I think their Response to trying to get people to call the representatives is going to fail, because, like we said a second ago, this is a disgusting act, and nobody wants to be wants to admit to doing it so what they're going to do is a lot of people will not. They're just gonna, not going to do it because then they'd have to put their name on it and be like, oh, I'm, your, your, uh, I'm one yes. of your constituents, and I think you should let me watch porn for free and yada, yada. And nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to do that. So I think that's going to work in our favor in the sense that uh, I doubt there's going to be a large influx of people. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people are more brazen than I, than I expect them to be. But I have a feeling that that's probably going to be the most likely outcome to that. So let's push for this because we, uh, in the in the Catholic community, but also we and just the people who have basic morals, uh, we want this banned, and we could do it. I think this is a winning this is a winning subject. So I say this is a a position that we can push. This Is a position where we can gain ground. So let's not put our heads in the sand, and instead. Let's rejoice in this victory, but let's not stop. Let's get this in every state in America. We can still make America a Catholic nation. We'll be right back with more right after this.
2: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd. And believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation.
5: It's to truly save souls. It's to save souls. And we have a lot of different media platforms, whether it's through our TV, radio, music, and it's all promoting this culture that is really here to kill, still, and destroy souls. And to have that catholic voice on the air that is proclaiming the good news and able to touch and transform lives um what better thing to support the guadalupe
3: radio network radio for your soul
1: welcome back to the catholic drive time show today is wednesday may 3rd 2023 in the year of our lord and these are your headlines for this morning LifeSite is reporting DeSantis signs tough new laws protecting children from uh, child rapists. Child rapists will be eligible for the death penalty and Florida will crack down on drug dealers targeting kids. Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis on Monday signed tough new legislation that will beef up penalties for drug dealers who target kids and make child rapists eligible for the death penalty. CatholicCulture.org is reporting a leading Russian Orthodox official meets with the Vatican Prefect. Metropolitan Anthony of Volokolamsk, who has led the Moscow Patriarch's Department of External Relations since June 2022, met at the Vatican two days ago with a prefect of the Dicastery for Eastern Churches. The Moscow Patriarchate announced the meeting took place three days after Pope Francis met in Hungary with Metropolitan Anthony's predecessor, Metropolitan Hilarion. Crux is reporting a close papal aid. More, more, more news on this. Crux is reporting a close papal aid says Ukraine peace mission could bear fruit in three months after Pope Francis told reporters that the Vatican was involved in a secret peace mission to end the conflict between Russia and Ukraine on his return flight from Budapest Sunday. Officials from both countries have denied any knowledge of it. Speaking to Italian newspaper Il Fatto Quotidiano, Italian economist Stefano Zagani said this has been going on for eight months. And finally, the Daily Wire is reporting authorities have caught illegal alien accused of murdering five neighbors in Texas. The illegal alien accused of murdering five of his neighbors in Texas last week has been apprehended after a days-long manhunt involving hundreds of law enforcement officials. CNN reported that the alleged murder was arrested in the small town Texas called Cut and Shoot, which has a population of just over 1,000 people, roughly 17 miles away from where the killings happened. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens.
0: Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And joining us right now is Charles Fraun. He is a theology teacher with over nine years of teaching experience in Catholic education. He's also spent time in a seminary with the Diocese of Ralph and a Masters of Arts in Theology from Christendom College, Charles is an accomplished writer and has written several books, including Slaying Dragons, What Exorcists See, and What We Should Know. Uh, But of the subject today, What Exorcist and Former Occultist Wants You to Know is his current focus. And he resides in the Diocese of Charlotte, North Carolina, with his wife and three kids. Uh, Thank you for joining us, Mr. Charles Fraun. Thank you again. It's uh, good to be back on the show. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, this is a very interesting book. I was reading it over the weekend, and I only got about 200 pages in, but it is so good so far, and I'm looking forward to finishing the book. And I can't recommend this book enough because it is also super easy to read. It reads like just like a bunch of stories, and it is a great uh, use of a, of a, like a catechism almost uh, on the occult. So I highly recommend it to people. But the subject that I wanted to cover in this, because we could literally spend an interview, a 30-minute interview on each chapter, uh, but yeah. let's cover this. Let's start with this. Why do people join the occult to begin with? So let's start here. What is the format of the book? You, It's a mostly just interviews with former occultists and exorcists. Is that is that kind of a good a summary of it?
6: Yeah, it's um a collection of about 40 interviews from I think it was about 16 former occultists, eight exorcists, seven pastors, six families, and then a whole bunch of smaller anecdotes that I collected including um public research on public testimonies from practicing occultists, um former occultists as well just to, I pulled from even just practicing witches who are out there they have YouTube channels with like two hundred, four hundred thousand 400,000 followers. It's really shocking. So I listened to them a little bit just to kind of round out the picture, make sure what I was hearing was accurate. And um, but yeah, it is a it's a collection of a whole bunch of testimonies organized. Uh, thanks be to God, I was able to organize it in a good flow when it comes to like kind of like kind of like you said, and I appreciate that that description. Like it's a catechism on the occult. It's like how we should look at it as Catholics. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's so many topics in, in here.
0: Absolutely. So let's start here. Why do people join the occult? You interviewed all these occultists, and everyone kind of has a very different story, but there's kind of a through line about kind of the general reason why people are attracted to this to begin with. So let's start there. Why do people join the occult?
6: Yeah, it's uh you could kind of say, so I think it's chapter seven when the title is, you know, why do people go in? But chapter one through six are laying the foundation for that. Why? Because the world like, there's so many topics, but, um, the, uh, the collapse of the faith in the cult, in the culture, in the world. People are being raised as pagans, essentially. And we, we really should consider using that term now, like people being raised as pagan. It's not an insult. It's a, it's a classification, like people being raised without the faith, without the philosophical structure that Christianity provides, without grace, without the push towards good works and merit, uh, without the teachings of the gospels, the saints. So people being raised in this vacuum, this moral vacuum, the spiritual vacuum, but they're spiritual. Everybody's spiritual. Everybody's looking And one of the motivations I'm kind of touching on now is that there was a lack of uh, mysticism in their upbringing. They craved something spiritual, but no one was giving it to them. But now, as the faith is declining and in the culture, the occult is rising, people who are looking for spirituality are finding it. They're finding it on the marketplace, on the black marketplace, you could say. And that's the occult advertising itself everywhere both in the culture, just through philosophy, but also practically like uh, in in downtowns or on the Internet. It's ubiquitous. So I'd say that like the, the spiritual craving, which is being unsatisfied because of the collapse of the faith, it's because of original sin, because of the fall. We're all oriented towards ourself, towards worship of self. And Adam and Eve, one of the things, the points I made, one of the, Adam and Eve, the, when they fell, that was a superstitious act. When they took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and ate it, thinking they'd become gods, that was an act of magic, as, uh, mm-hmm. Father Mattinger in his book, The Trouble with Magic says. So it's, it's this innate, because of the fall, innate instinct to go towards superstition. So that's what's pushing a lot of people in it. And there's a whole bunch of other things we can touch on, like wounds.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh know, that, that's I, a big one. I think though, the two things that really stood out to me, whenever you were talking about the, the reasons why people fall into the occult were, like you said, the wounds, but also the ignorance. Those two things I found to be the biggest things that I've encountered in my own life when, in regards to people being involved in the occult or even faithful Catholics being involved in the occult not knowing that they're a part of the occult. Uh, because then you, mm-hmm. have, you have the explicit occultist, and I found most people I know that are in that kind of thing are typically have grave wounds in their life, and they're attracted to that because of they want some kind of security, some kind of power over something. Mm-hmm. But then the people who are kind of, they dabble in this kind of syncretism are usually because of of grave ignorance. They don't intend to be uh, against God and against his church. They just fall into it. So could you speak about those two things a little bit?
6: Yes. And ignorance of the faith, as I was mentioning, the, the collapse of Christianity on a practical level, I mean, it's still here but on a practical level, is leaving people without any education on, like, the proper use of sacramentals, even the proper use of the sacraments. There are a lot of lies and heresies out there for practicing Catholics. So, and the the occult, so indigenous, super, indigenous religions, religious practices, superstitious practices, those are all under the occult, even yoga, you know, this popular thing called Reiki, um manifesting which is this very subtle exercise of the will to try to control the world to control god or replace god so with an with a lack of spiritual training this is another big thing under the ignorance with a lack of spiritual training for catholics we don't know how to engage the spiritual world properly we're taught you know we're taught not to use the traditional devotions so then what do you what do you do so you go into these superstitious mindsets which are which are out there and um some of the exorcists I talked to said they'll go into homes to bless homes and they'll see the pagan altar over in the corner mm. and they'll say, hey, you got to you got to get rid of that. That's that's a big problem, big spiritual problem. And they won't want to. They won't get it. They'll think the priest is wrong or they're just so attached to it that they want to keep it. Um, but even like yoga is a big gateway oh, and yeah. Reiki is another big gateway. And people Absolutely. just don't get it.
0: Yeah, Which, we've done a, we've done a couple of interviews about yoga in the past. But, you know, the thing that stood out to me, just what you mentioned there about Pagan altars inside of church inside of people's homes whenever a priest comes to bless it. I've heard many stories of people who will have their their priest come and bless the home. And then like a week later, they'll come have their yogi come and bless their home uh, with. Wow. And, and so they don't see their They don't see this as as dissident. They see this as perfectly in continuity with one another. And I, and it's just so flabbergasting to me, but, uh, and we have about a minute and a half before we're going to go to a break, but before we do, I want a little bit about manifesting. Uh, That's a very interesting topic because I've kind of heard this from people in a more subtle way where they are not explicitly talking about manifesting. They're just saying, you know, the other day I was thinking about a Ferrari and then a Ferrari drove up past me and I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. And they kind of have this kind of idea. So what what can you tell me about manifesting?
6: You could really say manifesting is this. Perversion of divine providence because you basically conceive in your mind and will into the universe your desire. And then the, the universe, you know, capital U, whatever this thing is, they call the universe is going to cause it to happen for you because you have manipulated somehow um, the universe by manifesting from your will. So it's, it's divinizing yourself without grace. It's making yourself the divine provider without submission to God, without humble acceptance of whatever he wants. So it's it's really, it's atheism, it's Satanism. It's a, within all of the occultic things, Satanism, Wicca, witchcraft, manifesting, New Age, all of it has the same Luciferian, I am God kind of concept. And it's shocking. It's, it's absolutely shocking how widespread manifesting is. I had never heard of it. Uh, but also, it has these subtle manifestations, like you were saying, subtle linguistic things that people say it, they do it, they don't even realize they're doing it, but it is a
2: willfulness.
0: Yeah, I, I've noticed that among faithful Catholics, among people, because they kind of just see it as like, oh, you know, you're you're just you're envis- envisioning the future that you want, and that future is going to happen, and so I think that's a very, very pernicious, very dangerous, and something that uh, parents should be aware of, but also, of course, everyone should be, but especially parents, to try to tamp this down. When we come back, I'm gonna ask about what it does to people, what the occult does to people and how and why people get free from these the occult. When we come back.
2: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question if you're a non-Catholic friend. Was the Catholic Church in existence as far back as the first three centuries? Well, who's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism? Number one, baseball. In September 1845, the New York Knickerbocker Baseball Club was formally established and called baseball. Rules were set included a diamond-shaped infield, foul lines, and the three-strike rule. But seven years before that, in 1775, that game was already being played on schoolyards, well before it was ever called baseball. Secondly, the Apostolic Fathers such as Tertullian, Clement, St. Ignatius all wrote before 215 A.D. about the authority of the local bishop, and they used the name the Catholic Church, which already had the liturgy, the Eucharist, the readings, the relics, a hierarchy, and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. To fishermen, a dolphin was just a big fish until they were termed dolphins, but they were always dolphins, and baseball was baseball well before it was termed baseball. And you will love this. The early church was the Catholic Church well before Constantine the Great, the Nicene Creed, and your church history book. Hey, Donnie, what are the mysteries that we pray on the rosary?
4: Glorious, luminous, joyful, and... Powerful. There you go. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children, and if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on.
0: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's so good to be here with you today. Happy Easter to you, especially during this Easter season. We're almost through the Easter season. Then we hit Pentecost, and that is another great celebration. So just more celebrating, more feasting. I, that's what I always say. That's to have that octave of, Easter, of Pentecost going on. A deacon Ken Dirksen commenting on has said getting a Christian blessing and using curanderas at the same time shows that they think more blessing is better and not discerning where it comes from, intellectually and spiritually lazy. That's 100% correct, Deacon. I think that's a very common thing where people will wear a miraculous medal but also have like an a amulet attached to it as well because they're like, you know, more protection, better, and uh, the kind of idea. Very, very, like you said, intellectually, spiritually lazy, and very dangerous to their soul. Uh, but joining us right now is Charles Fraun. We're talking about his book, Slaying Dragons, The Rise of the Occult, What Exorcist and Former Occultist Want You to Know. I highly recommend checking it out. Check out both books, actually. Get his first book and his second book. I highly, I actually bought this, the uh, other book for my sister because she, Loves like the murder mystery stories. And so I was like, hey, you should read this. It's kind of like kind of has that kind of feel to it. Um, so I highly recommend checking that though, both those books out as, and get those as gifts for people, especially if you have family members who are interested in the occult. Well, this is a way, a great entry way to try to get them interested in the Catholic vision of the occult. Uh, but joining us now, uh, Charles Fraun, the question for you is what does this actually do to people? So people get involved in the occult then what happens they they get everything they desire do they get smashed by the devils and what happens to them
6: yeah, actually, with using those two images it's somewhere in between uh the The shocking thing is that demons can provide certain material gifts certain um temporal gifts but there's there's always um more it's they're like a mirage it's a, there's always a lie attached to it um so Demons, the extra, the former occultists will say that demons are very responsive, especially in the beginning to get you hooked. And they'll do things to get you to, to make more packs, to go deeper and deeper. And there's a legalism, as I talk about in Slaying Dragons in the first book, there's a legalism with these diabolical associations. So once they give in, the demons are hooked in them, but it's also a moral attachment and intellectual attachment and attachment of the will of the person who now wants this power because the power is very addictive. So it's one of the things that happens is people get addicted to the responsiveness of the demons. And it's another laziness, spirituality takes work. We have to wait, we have to have virtue, we have to have patience, we have to do what is hard because what is good is difficult. But in the occult, there is no good and evil. This is one of the damages, one of the things it does to people, it eradicates the concept of good and evil. This was in every form of the occult that I studied, that I presented in the book good and evil and morality are gone. It's just this arbitrary construct and they reject it completely and they become the source of good and evil, which is very much back to the fall of Adam and Eve and the temptation of the devil. So so you have uh But then if people... It's not even when they leave. When they try to leave the occult, the demons go on the attack and it gets really vicious. And a lot of people don't leave because of how bad it gets. But the demons will also attack them in the occult. So there's never a honeymoon period. There's this illusion that you have power. But then all these problems come with it. And, and listening to some of the witches um, on some podcasts, active witches talking, you can see this kind of like trepidation in their world. They're, they're not fully happy. They think it's a nice adventure, a spiritual fantasy. They're living out in reality, interacting with fairies and all these other things they think they see. There's also this this lack of happiness, this lack of joy, and sometimes this fear because the demons will do things they didn't expect and they didn't really want. Um, and that's just scratching the surface on on what it does to people. Cause it's eventually very destructive and I have a whole chapter just with that, with that title.
0: You know, it's interesting because that, that idea of this kind of being destructive, it makes you think, okay, then, then what exactly makes people want to get out? Because if they get the things they want when they're in, and when they try to get out, they get attacked. Then what makes people want to leave to begin with?
6: Yeah. And, and that, uh, that's the, that's the really, uh, that's the good thing that we need to know because we can coach people because when you're being coached into the occult and once you're in it and you're listening to all these gurus talking, nobody's warning you about the reality that's coming to you. And that's what causes people to get out. So this book actually fills that gap. It tells you what's going to come, what's really going to come in the negative sense that's going to make you want to get out. Because as I was mentioning, the demons will do certain things, but attached to that are commands from them that you sin. That you evangelize with about the demon. And if you do, you'll get more, more rewards, but the rewards are all starting to become like, you know, a tenth of what they promise, but it's still a taste of what they promise, or they'll give the illusion that they've given you a gift, but it's not actually the gift, but it makes you feel like they're going to give it to you because they'll do something. So they, they bait you along deeper and deeper. But at the same time, it's starting to destroy you. One of the former cultists, a witch, um, she said that one of the things all. All witches become blind, she was saying, to the fact that their whole world, their whole life is falling apart, is in flames around them while they're in the occult, but they can't see it. But then all of a sudden, and this is where that why they want to get out, something has to wake them up. And a lot of, a lot of occultists are never woken up. This is funny with the whole woke culture. Uh, there's the terminologies, but yeah, once you but... wake up, you start to look around like my life is horrible. I feel horrible I'm not happy. I'm getting beaten up every night They start to really process the fact that demons are harassing them constantly and trying to get them to sin and sin and sin They've rejected their friends. They've rejected good and evil. They're just becoming bad people and they're becoming unhealthy It's another thing that people pointed out constantly is that the devil marks his own there's a certain look that people go into the occult eventually adopt Both in their skin, what they wear, the hair color, piercings, even their lifestyles, like transgender, LGBT, all that stuff is, is part of the occult. And people get pulled into it from adopting that philosophy. And they get pulled into that philosophy once they're in the occult. So what makes them want to get out is they see it. They see it and they realize they fear, fear drives them out. But hope, but also at the same time, hopefully they're encountering the faith through friends, through memories. One of the things that's neat, a lot of people who were in the new age, um, Gabriel, he's the one in the book. They're all pseudonyms to protect the people. But Gabriel, um, the algorithm, as I put it, in the YouTube algorithm, he was looking at all these new age things. And then he looked at one. He clicked on one video about the dangers of the new age or something. And then it started to suggest day after day after day, more and more, like, get out of the new age, get out of the new age. So he was coached to get out of the new age because the algorithm in YouTube was suggesting all these testimonies to him. And as a result, he's like, wow, wow, I see it now. And he, he just bolted. Um, but he had to get the church's help because the demons latch on and they fight back and they won't let you go. And they punish you as much as as deep as you went. They will punish you to match that. And there is this kind of legalism, this justice factor that you have to go through to really break free.
1: Hey, uh, Charles, this is Tito. I was just curious to know if, if there's any relation between all the pink and purple and, and, and colorful new hairstyles that we see and the occult. Is there a relation between the two? I, I, I'm just thinking I'm, may, I'm going on a, on a limb here and thinking that there there has to be some sort of relation because it's just getting ridiculous out there. Well, yeah, I've
6: never actually thought about the the color choices, but as you point out, most of the time it's these bright pink and you know purple, and that's uh, some of the uh, LGBT you know color schemes they like to use are similar. But it's also, um, yeah, so there, there's a there's a um, a symbolism connection between these evil philosophies that we see in the woke culture, and um, and the colors that the devil is marking his own with. And it's, it's also a disorder. So one of the things demons do is they want to remake us in their image and they are perverted. They are destructive. They are anti God, anti human. That's their message. That's their, their logo, their, their mission. So they want to mark us to represent and form us into their image to represent in the incarnated form of what they are. So the devil marking his own is, is perverting all of us, all the occultists, I should say.
1: Probably also, I wanted to ask all these facial studs that we see people putting in, you know, the elongated earlobes and, and most recently I've noticed uh, a high incidence of, especially baristas for some reason, of nose rings. Mm. Uh, is there an also a connection between that and dabbling in the occult? Hmm. I have never seen... Um, Just so many studs out there.
6: Yeah, I've never seen a connection, a specific connection in my research about... So there's a... I asked some exorcists about tattoos. Like, is there a connection between piercing and tattoos and these other things? And there's the, there is possibly a psychological connection because people who pierce themselves up and tattoo themselves up have psychological problems in some, some form. And that's what the demons prey on. Like the wounds, the wound issue we talked about briefly. People, who go into the occult, almost a hundred percent of them have some kind of big wound that they're dealing with. So people who also tat themselves up, pierce themselves up, dye their hair, no one does that unless they have some kind of unhealthy psychological, you know, thing going on. So there's that kind of overlap with the wound.
0: Yeah. I think that's a, it's a great point. And I think a lot of this, a lot of this is not explicitly occultish in the sense that like dyeing your hair a certain color might be a uh, cult uh, behavior, but I think the reality is that disorder is always a cult. Uh, disorder is yeah. always a cult, and so the the devil hates order and loves disorder. And so the people will try to do things to make yourself disordered. So they, especially dyeing your hair. Dyeing your hair generally, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of dyeing your hair. But dyeing your hair a non-natural color is intrinsically unnatural. And so it seems to be that would be something that the devil would like to influence people to do. That's not to say that everyone who dyes their hair is uh, is a cult, is in the cult, or is uh, being influenced by the devil, but. The, the generally speaking, though, disorder and unnaturalness is a sign of the devil. But I want to move over in the last couple minutes we have here. How do people get free if people are involved in this? They know someone who's involved in this. Uh, what are the steps that someone needs to take if they want to become free?
6: Yeah, it really depends on their um, <clears throat> on their spiritual background. Like if they are Catholic, it's much easier. To get out of the occult and get back into the church, first thing you would do is go see a priest go to confession, but you also want to tell the priest that what you 've been into what you 've done, how many times you 've done it, so they can pray and break any holds the devil may have on you, pray against that specifically and give you some penances to do to specifically break those attachments and break the attachments to vices because in the the occult you're really attached to vices, but if you 're not christian um you can still. You've got to go to the church. You got to go to the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church has the power to release people from the devil's hold. That is why our Lord came, as our, as Saint John the beloved disciple said, First John, as I have in the front of all my books. The reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the devil and to liberate us, to give us abundant life, as our Lord says Himself. So, to get out, you got to go to the church. You got to get. Baptized. If you're not already baptized, if you're baptized, go to confession. These are the initiations back into the life of grace. But then there's more work to do. You may have to receive some special prayers, maybe exorcisms, maybe minor exorcisms. Not everybody in the occult gets possessed, but some people do. A lot of people get demons that attach to them and hang around them. So you got to do the spiritual work to get to get them to go away, essentially, because they're they're punishing you and God's allowing it. Saint Francis of Assisi referred to the demons as uh, God's uh, policemen who punish people who break His law. Which I've also thought about before, but I always thought it was kind of strange. But then someone pointed out that St. Francis of Assisi said that too. So you got to go to the church and the church's traditions, the traditional Latin Mass, sacramentals, a life of prayer, uh, confession. Amen, I'll amen.
0: Unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, Charles, we're going to have to have you back on again to talk more about this great book. Check it out, Slaying Dragons 2, The Rise of the Occult, What Exorcists and Former Occultists Want You to Know by Charles Braun. Check it out. You can get it on Amazon, anywhere good books are sold. Uh, God bless you, Charles. We'll have to have you back. And that's going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. Stay with us when we come back. True stories of the dying and how it can help you live.
7: So many of us carry such heavy burdens.
5: You're crazy!
7: Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a
2: fresh start. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Hello. This is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they described. But instead, turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to do some Bible reading. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network.
3: All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
2: Hi, I'm Joan Smith. From St. Elizabeth and Seton Catholic community. You're listening to AM 1430, K S H J Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
0: Is in fact risen. I love the, the cover of the book as Slaying Dragons, uh, Rise of the Occult. In the Slaying Dragons book, the cover has a picture of Christ victorious, leading an army of angels. He's holding his cross. As he comes in, the cross, which was a sign of defeat, became the sign of victory. Uh, you know what they say, Christus Vincit, Christus Regnat, Christus Imperat, which is Christ is victorious, Christ reigns, and Christ conquers. And so it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to, to pray, um, to recognize that Christ wins in the end. No matter what the occult says and does, at the end of the day, it is Christ who is Victoria? So let me know what you thought about Charles Fraun. Did you enjoy the interview? where certain topics you want to be covered more? Uh, well, one, get the book. And two, um, should we have him back on? Let me know. I'd be interested to in, in, in know what you think. I'd be love. I love to have those kind of conversations. It's always good, especially nowadays, that things like this. It's just so much. It's just so much, but it is good to talk about. It's good for people to know, for parents to know, especially because these kind of um. I forget what they call it. I think it's witch talk. I think that's what they call it, where they have a um, witch
1: talk where they wow. have
0: um, witches on TikTok talking about the uh, witchcraft and things like that, trying to promote it to kids. And uh, these things are happening and kids are being involved in it. And Not... I think most of the time it's from small dispositions. It's like an inclination or a tendency rather than an explicit, um, more than an explicit occultism. It's more a tendencies. That people latch onto like manifesting. I think that's something people are do a lot and they have no clue that it's a cult. So I think it's very dangerous.
1: I, I agree. That's that's fascinating. Uh fascinating in an intellectual way, not in a in a wow, this is cool. Uh, how people get attached to the occult and, and all these the Reiki yoga and, and manifestation. It's it seems innocuous, seems harmless enough, but they be, people like these tend to be isolated. They tend to self harm and burn their bridges. And uh, people who people those trying to warn them and, and reach out to them, and and, uh, it, and then it, it can get really scary, really scary, really fast. If if they're doing the will of these demons. Uh, and wow, it is just incredible. I, I think it's no coincidence that the last few years we've seen a significant rise in teenage suicides. And, and one of the common denominators for this, they, they don't know how, why, what is the relation just yet, but it's almost, it's almost ubiquitous. Across the line, people were using TikTok. And, and TikTok is a malicious a social media platform more so than any others because of 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 uh it, it adheres to promoting yourself narcissism it, it 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 puts you out there and you have to step up your game so to speak and and promote yourself and in whatever inclination whatever hobby quote unquote that you're doing and push it out there and the ones that are getting tractions are the ones uh, outside of the uh the pretty girls Showing off themselves uh, is these occult type aspects of TikTok, like what you were saying. These these witch talk I've never heard of. And and speaking of which, you you remember? uh, You remember this person is still around posting on Twitter called Libs of TikTok. yeah, Yeah, that that is a completely different world, as one commentator said on Twitter. Looking at these videos, I just don't know what planet they're coming from, and and it's not just as it's not. It's not a Zoomer thing. This is uh, an out, Not uh, I don't want to say an outlier. This is just beyond bizarre. Some well, of these people uh, self affirming themselves on TikTok on, on their behaviors on pushing the, uh, the the wokeism and and I you know what's coming up next after all this trans identity, the trans races, racialism. People start identifying as different races.
0: Yeah, I think uh, transracialism uh, probably won't happen because, purely because I think everybody is kind of uh, afraid of that because they don't want to be called racist and they don't want to be considered uh, appropriation because we really jumped over transracism because, I mean, it's it it actually makes more sense to identify as a different race than it does a different sex because men and women are more fundamental to who we are than races because race, people are mixed race. People are... Different things, so I think we we jumped right over that, and I'm sure it'll become more popular. It's already been happening where people like identify as Korean because they love Korean pop stars and things like that. But I don't know. I think I think that it's less of a big deal to be honest. Then I mean, it's still a bad thing. We shouldn't try to do that at all. But I think it's less of a big deal than where we currently are. I think this is this is the worst of it, except maybe transpeciesism. I think that's the next step. You th- and the revolution?
1: Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I wonder what the prognosis is for for yeah. the next thing. I'm just. I'm I'm guaranteeing Scared.
0: I'm guaranteeing it's trans or speciesism. Species. That's what it's going to be. Uh, but let's go to this: How true stories of the dying can help the living. So let's talk about this topic. A very good topic to meditate upon, especially uh, something that we should, can uh, discuss in terms of getting ourselves right with God. Now this is from Return to Order by Francis Slobinick. The prism of death often provides an excellent perspective to influence how to live. Thus, the book Life Stories of Dying Penitents or Sick Calls from the Diary of a Missionary Priest invites the reader to make serious, profound, hopeful, and tragic reflections. Originally published in the late 19th century, this book is a compilation of accounts of sick calls to the dying written by an anonymous Irish priest at a parish in London, England. In the Litany of the Saints, there is an invocation. From a sudden and unprovided death, deliver me, O Lord. After reading this book, the reader can see why the church makes this plea. Death comes to all, and it is best to be prepared. The rich descriptions in the book provide a snapshot of how death visits all social classes. It offers insight into the complex situations priests faced at the time. Most accounts end happily with the priest hearing the final confession and administering extreme unction. However, others are tragic. Some cases involved situations where the family contacted the priest on behalf of a dying relative who had not practiced the faith for a long time. It is pretty sobering to consider that such dying people often refuse to confess and repent, despite the pleadings of the priest and family members. The tragedy contradicts the Hollywood narratives where everything turns out fine in the end. As St. Alphonsus Liguori wrote, Most die... As they lived. This is a very, very important principle because if you do not live a Catholic life now, what makes you think you're going to have a Catholic death? Most people will say, Well, I'll get right with God when I die. I'll get right with God towards the end of my life. This is not the practice. This is not what is seen by priests all over the world. And if you think you're going to make a good confession on your deathbed, who's to say that you have the opportunity to make a good confession on your deathbed? Who's to say that you'll be of the right mind to make a good confession at your deathbed? Who's to say all these things? It is not for us to know. In fact, it is unlikely that you will be given the grace to die well if you have rejected the grace of God your entire life. Because God has presented with you and presented to you the grace sufficient and the grace necessary to be saved. And if you flaunt the grace of God, if you reject the grace of God your whole life, what makes you think that that will happen on your deathbed? And he goes on in this article, of course, God's mercy is always available to those who repent. However, those who spent their entire lives turned against God will not likely repent without a special grace. The book highlights the importance of the prayers and sacrifices of the faithful for the conversion of sinners. These efforts can sometimes move our Lord and our Lady to touch souls with a special grace of profound sorrow and repentance. How rare are such prayers and sacrifices today? And how few are the special grace of a re- of repentance for millions with no one to pray for them. This is another reason someone asked me the other day, you know, who's going to pray for me when I die? And I told them, I said, well, this is why you should have kids and lots of them. Because at the very least, I mean... Maybe your neighbor might pray for you for a couple days after you die. Maybe some people who are friends of you might pray for you at your funeral and maybe a little bit after your funeral, leading up to your funeral. But who's going to pray for you every single day for the rest of their lives, hoping that you are freed from purgatory and praying for your repentance and 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 that you have a good death? Who's going to be praying for that? The only people who are going to care that much about you is your family. Uh, maybe you'll have the grace and, the, and you'll be lucky enough to have friends and family that, ex, that are extended friends and family that will pray for you. But who else? I know for a fact that if no one else is praying for me, that my mom and my dad, that my sister and my brother, that my grandmother and my grandfather are praying for me every day. I have no doubt in my mind that that is the case. And when that, that day comes, when my parents die, when my grandparents die... Well, then I will be praying for them every single day of my life. I'll be praying for their soul. And so have lots of kids. And that's what I told them. They were like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to have lots of kids. I'm like, have lots of kids. It's the greatest investment that you can make. The greatest investment that you can make is to have many children. And so it goes on. Father visited everyone, rich, middle class, and poor. Without hesitation, he would get up in the middle of the night if summoned to visit someone who asked for him. After spending most of a night with the sick and dying, the exhausted priest would often arrive at the rectory just in time to offer morning mass. His total dedication to his vocation is worthy of great admiration. The willingness to serve contrasts with today's lack of faith and zeal for souls. When the ill and dying often ask for a priest, the family is told that the person is not registered in the parish or that a public anointing takes place once a month. Whenever this priest was called, he rushed to visit the soul who was approaching the judgment seat of God, where the time was of the essence. Several accounts involve Irish immigrants who worked long hours for low wages and who spent their little free time intoxicated at gin houses, neglecting the spiritual and material needs of themselves and their families. Sometimes father would have to pass through the gauntlet of drunkards mocking and cursing him on the way to visit someone. Father entered residences of incredibly opulence or squalor, remaining focused on saving souls. The benefits of this book are immense. Readers will have a greater appreciation of the value of suffering, the gravity of sin, and the need to follow God's commandments. This book can remove any illusion about death and the presumption about salvation. Thus, pray for being spared from sudden and unprovided death. Maintain the state of sanctifying grace so, if called suddenly from this life, one can enter heaven with God's mercy. Be edified by the accounts of repentant sinners. And this book, he said here, it's kind of funny. He said, it's an old book. You can try to find it. They're expensive, but you can probably find reprints. So if you can, the name of the book is Sick Cause from the Diary of a Missionary Priest or Life Stories of Dying Penitents. Those are the two names it goes by. If you can find it, if you can find it, let me know too. I couldn't find a copy myself, and so I want to I wanna look for a copy. If you can find it, so let me know. But this is a very big deal, and I was actually reading the life of Venerable, Venerable Louis DuPont. And in his life, he talks about its little girl runs to him when he was, he was laying in bed sick. And his little girl comes to him and tells him his mother, her mother is dying and she lived a horrible life that she would needs, to have, need, needs to go to confession before she dies. And so Venerable Louis DuPont jumps out of bed sick and he's uh, tw- ending to, towards the end of his life. And he runs and sprints to the bedside of this dying woman. And he gets there and she is dead when he arrives and he falls to his knees and thanks God for allowing him the grace to have gotten up immediately and rushed to her bedside. For he said that if he had hesitated for even one moment, then he would have only blamed himself that she had died, that she had not had the the grace of confession before her death. And so he thanked God that he had responded immediately immediately to the request. Because how often does it happen that souls die without confession because a priest does not come? How often? And those souls, of course, they will have to answer for their own sins at their judgment seat. But that priest on his deathbed, he will have to answer for the souls that were lost because of his negligence, because of his unwillingness to leap for the salvation of souls. So let's keep that in mind and let's thank our good priest. There are many good priests out there who... Who do that. I know a friend of mine, a priest friend of mine, had to cancel lunch with me because he was like, I had a sick call, so I had to cancel him. I'm so sorry. I'm like, don't worry, Father. That's so much more important. So much more important, Father. Don't you worry. But with that, let's jump into our game show, Fear and Trembling. Let's do that right now. You can call in 877 757 9424. 877 757 9424. 877 7579424 4. we take our first caller fear and trembling coming up next call now to be our contestant Ladies and
4: gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to say some prayers for the souls in purgatory. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed often for those in purgatory? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio
2: Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your church most likely has a praise and worship time. Would you be surprised to know that the songs you sing might have nothing to do with worship? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Praise and worship was not a term used until the mid-60s when the Jesus people music started becoming more complex and contemporary. By the late 70s, praise and worship had become an entire entity of its own. Secondly, what is worship? It's a sacrifice. It's not singing a soft, flowy song with hands raised. The New Testament writers understood that worship was a sacrifice, that it occurred on an altar, which was and is known as a place of slaughter. Thirdly, the altar is for you. Jesus, in the holy sacrifices of the Mass, invites you to participate in His timeless sacrifice of love that truly occurs on the altar. No nightclub effects, no entertainment, no pumped-up emotion. Oh, and please don't register for the next Praise and Worship Global Seminar. Why? Because you can't teach praise, and it won't include worship. Yikes! (laughs) Donnie, what are the four Gospels in the
4: New Testament?
1: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John.
4: And who baptized Jesus?
1: St. John the Baptist.
4: As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on.
0: That's the number to call the game show, Fear and Trembling. 877-797-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win All this is happening right now, and we always take our first caller. at 877-757-9424. You could be our contestant. You may be asking, what am I listening to? What's going on here? Well, this is the Fear and Trembling Game Show, where we give out prizes and you could win. We have three Catholic trivia questions, and don't you worry. We're not going to ask you the questions. In fact, we're going to ask Tito the questions, and he's going to give me an answer. It's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. That means you have a 50-50 chance, even if you just guess, you have a 50-50 chance of getting each and every question correct. So that means you have an easy chance to win. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win?
1: Thank you, Adrian. The fear and trembling prize for this week is Carlo Broussard's new book, The New Relativism. Unmasking the philosophy of today's woke moralists. Noel Merring, the author of Awake, Not Woke, says Carla Broussard does the important and foundational work of refuting wokeism without polemics or ridicule, but with the simple conviction that we are made for truth. In a time of much coercion and confusion, the new relativism is Clarified and compelling read by Catholic Answers. And I want to add right now that there there is no one on the phone line. So if you want to participate, you cannot win if you don't play. So please call 877-757-9424. That number once again, 877-757-9424. You can't win if you don't play.
0: Amen. 877 757 9424. So feel free to call in. We always take our first caller. I'm looking over at the phone lines and, yep, there are. Oh, we just had one caller come on. So we always take the first caller. So if you are not the first caller, what you have to do is you have to be able to uh, write that number down. 877 757 9424. If you write that number down, and you put it in your speed dial, you can be able to be our first caller. So if you're not the caller, uh, make sure you call back in. And We still have uh, two more chances, Thursday and Friday, to win the prize. So make sure you call in and you write down that number so that way we can have you on tomorrow or Friday and you get a chance to win the prize. If you want to know where all this stuff is, you can go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. There you can find all of our information listed there. So if you want to write that number down, but you're driving to go to GRNonline.com forward slash C D T. There our phone numbers listed and you could put that in your speed dial. But joining us right now is D. Good morning to you, D. Good morning. Howda D, how are you how are you today? Uh, you're calling, where are you calling from? Um, Alexandria, Virginia. Alexandria, Virginia. Praise be to God. Virginia's on the board. It's been a while since we've had a Virginia caller. Excellent. Oh, uh, well, thank you very much, Dee, for calling in. Where are you off to this morning?
2: Um, just I'm, um, I at home ironing. So
0: hey, praise be to God. Uh, he- that's a great thing to be doing, and we love to hear it. I know my uh, that was uh, a huge grace that uh, my mom did for me and i was always very grateful especially growing up uh nowadays i'm uh don't really uh, do that anymore but which means mostly not that i iron my own clothes but that my clothes just doesn't go ironed a lot of the time uh, but we uh we love we love it when that happens so thank you Dee, for for calling in and uh d how are you doing how is your easter season going
2: it's going very well thank you
0: oh praise be to god praise be to god praise. That's wonderful. And you're ready for Pentecost. You're already setting up the the feast. Uh, I may have to throw a a Pentecost party or something because I feel like Pentecost feasting is just not not a thing anymore.
2: Well, I'm still trying to celebrate uh, during the Easter season. So it seems to be going pretty well.
0: Praise be to God. Praise be to God. We love to hear it. We love to hear it. Well, thank you for calling D. Are you familiar with how the game works? Are you ready to play the game?
8: Yes, I am.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, let's jump into it then. Uh, the first question goes to Tito. Tito, are you ready?
1: I am ready. All righty.
0: Here is the first question. What day of the year is connected with Luther's publication of his 95 theses?
1: Oh, there, I know there's a Protestant word for this. But I know th- what Catholics call it. Well, it, because it, la- it it happens to be done on the day of All Hallows Eve or Halloween.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, so yeah, it's it's on Halloween. I, I can't remember what it, it's uh, what the Protestants. Call, I think it's something Day, Reformation Day or something.
0: Okay, okay. Well, D. The question is, what day of the year is connected with Luther's publication of his 95 Theses? 15 seconds on the clock. Tito says it's on All Hollows Eve. And I think he said, I think the Protestants call it Reformation Day. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock, D. What say you? Is he right or is he wrong? What say you, D. from Alexandria, Virginia?
2: Well, I'll say he's right, but I really don't know the answer. So. Way to go, D. <laughs>
0: Good job, D. No problem, easy peasy. You did not. You before you start so questioning easy. yourself. I know, I know. You're like, I don't know. I, I might be wrong. She's trying to hustle us. I, I, can I feel know. It. She's trying to hustle us. But no, you got it, D. It is in fact Hollows Eve. Can you believe uh, Luther had the audacity to nail his 95 theses to Wittenberg? church on the day of uh, All Saints Day, on the day before All Saints Day. That's kind of crazy to me. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it is crazy.
0: Yeah, so there, wow. So the Protestants are celebrating uh, the revolt of Martin Luther while we're celebrating Halloween, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> are you ready for question number two, D? Yes. Then let's do it. Question numero dos, uh, which is French for two, as many people would tell me. Uh, the question is, what is... The particular judgment.
1: Uh, that's a good f- question, uh, that when you judge only a particular sin.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'll go you're with that. When you just judge, just well, just one just one sin. Just you're one judging, sin. Okay. Yeah, it's particular. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. All right, D, 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, what is the particular judgment? Tito seems to think it's when you judge only one particular sin. At fifteen seconds of the clock, D from Alexandria, Virginia. What say you? Is he right or is he wrong? Is he trying to trick you? What say you, D, from Alexandria, Virginia? I would say I would say
2: he's wrong.
0: He's gonna say you're wrong. That is correct. He is in fact wrong. The correct Impressive. answer. Impressive. The correct answer is God's judgment for each of us immediately after death. So we are all. Every man is appointed once to die, and then the judgment. And so the particular judgment is the correct answer. You have the particular judgment after your death and the general judgment at the second coming. So that is correct, D. See, you know all the answers. I mean, you're, you're just acing this. you got a two for two so far. Uh, you're doing great. How do you feel, D?
1: Oh, I feel great. Awesome. Oh, isn't that awesome. Let her answer them.
0: I know. We would love to hear it. We would love to hear it. <laughs> all righty, D. Are you ready for question number three?
2: Oh, I hope so.
0: Oh, I know you are. I know yeah. you are. This question, though, I have to admit, this might be the hardest question we've had to date the hardest question we've ever had in the history of Catholic drive time to date. So are you ready D?
2: Um, I'm ready.
0: She's ready. She's ready. Let's She's do ready. it. Let's do it. Tito. Yeah. Here's the question. That's a tough one. This is a long question too. It's a long question. So get, give your, uh, your thinking cap on, get your ears ready. Here is the question. What is a seminary?
1: Seminary. Isn't that where you went to, to?
0: I did not actually go to seminary.
1: You didn't go to a seminary? No, I did not. Where you were training for the priesthood? Mm-mm, did not.
0: Oh yeah, I, it, went it, to the, I went to the novitiate.
1: Novitiate. Yep. That's a nice, pretty a, word. Yeah, it's you, a
0: different thing. So, <laughs> I'll explain later.
1: I understand. Uh, then I guess so I think I answered my own question. I think it's a school where where uh, young men are trained for the priesthood.
0: Okay. All right. Well, there you go, D. The 15 seconds on the clock. The question, the hardest question we've ever had, actually, is what is a seminary? Tito seems to think it's a school where young men are trained for the priesthood. Um, pff, that okay, sure. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock, D from Alexandria, Virginia. What say you? Is he right or is he wrong? Um, I would say he's right. She says you're right. Way to go, D. Huh? Three for wow. three, you nailed yeah. it. You have, you got three for three. That's amazing. Were you expecting to get three for three? Were you hustling us? No, I was not. Well, there you go. You are, you, uh, ma'am, are obviously a very intelligent uh, young yeah, lady. Yeah, so
1: soft-spoken, it's uh, hard hard to see how, how you could have gotten all those she, correct.
0: She's clearly a theologian, a secret theologian. Secret theologian. She just didn't want to tell us ahead oh. of time. Uh, but but that was amazing, Dee. Uh, make sure you stay on the line so we can get your contact information. So if your name be drawn on Friday, we can be able to send that prize out to you. Uh, but God bless you. God love you. And have a blessed day.
4: Thank you. I hope you have a blessed day also.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I definitely will. We'll be uh, we'll be shouting out this morning, uh, you know, that Christ is risen. Hallelujah. So there we go. But God bless you. We're going to put you on hold. Stay on the line. We're going to get your contact information. That's going to do it for the show today, at least the radio side. If you want to stay with us for the after show, you can feel free to do so. All you got to do is head over to YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey. Hop on one of those streams, look up Catholic Drive Time there, and you can join us in the after show. There, I'm going to tell you all what's the difference between the novitiate and what's the difference between a seminary. What are the differences between those two things? I'm going to tell you in the after show. Plus... Whatever it is you want to talk about, we will discuss. We had a lot of great comments about the occult and that we're going to talk about more in the after show. So make sure you hang out with us there. If not, we'll see you back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you back tomorrow morning or in the after show. Remember, Christ is risen. Alleluia. Truly, he is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Thank you for
2: joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time
4: guadalupe radio
3: network now brings you the holy sacrifice of the mass from the chapel at our lady of corpus
0: christi in corpus christi texas
3: our lady of corpus christi we offer this holy sacrifice of the mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening to guadalupe radio network today we celebrate the feast of saints philip and james apostles
5: The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her
3: wife he died. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you my brothers and sisters that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words in what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault through my fault through my most grievous fault therefore I ask blessed Mary of a virgin all the angels and saints and you my brothers and sisters to pray for me to the Lord our God may Almighty God and mercy in us forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life
5: Kiri eleison, Kiri eleison, Kiri eleison, Kiri eleison, eleison. Kiri eleison, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth these two people of good will, we praise you. We bless you, we adore you, we glory you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High. Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit. In the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who gladden us each year with the feast day of the Apostles Philip and James, grant us through their prayers a share in the passion and resurrection of your only begotten Son, so that we may merit to behold for eternity through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever.
8: reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. I am reminding you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you indeed received and in which you also stand. Through it you are also being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than five hundred brothers and sisters at once, most of whom are still living, although some have fallen asleep. After that, he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born abnormally, he appeared to me. The word of the Lord. Their message goes out through all the earth. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day pours out word to day, and night to night imparts knowledge. Not a word nor a discourse whose voice is not heard. Through all the earth their voice resounds, and to the ends of the world their message.
5: Alleluia, 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 I am the way, the truth, and the life, says the Lord. Philip, whoever hath seen me has seen the Father. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia.
3: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, Then you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Master, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long a time, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me is doing his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe because of the works themselves. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and will do greater ones than these because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in of me in my name, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Today we celebrate the feast day, the glorious apostles, saints Philip and James, that is, James the, the lesser, not the greater, the son of Alphaeus, not the son of Zebedee, not the the brother of John, the gospel writer. We do not celebrate the, the writer of the book of James as much as James, who is also in the apostolic college, who was also chosen by Jesus. And the significance of celebrating these together, like we do on other feasts, like Saints fin- uh, Titus and Timothy, Saints Peter and Paul, is to realize that it is by communion, by fraternity, by charity that the church is recognized. The church is, you know, what it says in the apostles, by their love they shall know them. You shall know that they are apostles by their love, by the fact that they love one another. And the the passage chosen by the church of John 14, that the Father is in me and I am in the Father is actually a description of friendship. It's a description of what a relationship is. You look down inside your heart and poof, there they are. The other person is there. They are dwelling in you. Aristotle said that. It was, it's kind of uh, funny to read it. His definition of, of friendship was that the other person begins to live in you, that you, you, you live in them and they live in you. And this is a gift of Christian friendship and also what we call in the salt graced friendship, that graced friendship, friendship according to God's grace, not according to human preference, is really a gift of healing that the church needs in our time, because there's so much division, there's so much a, a lack of brotherhood, a lack of charity, and that we have to be reminded that what is the soul of the church is nothing more than caritas divinum divine charity, and we have to go back to that, and we have to become experts in friendship, because evangelization in our time happens by way of relationship. Pope Saint Paul VI, the Sixth, uh, the Pope of right after the Vatican Council, talked about in Ecclesiam Suam what you might call relational evangelization, that evangelization happens by an accompaniment with another person or a, uh, a, a dialogue of salvation with that person. And the truth is that God is having a dialogue of salvation with each soul. And to become experts in communion or experts in graced friendship is merely to touch upon that conversation on the inmost what, what a person's conversation with God is having, the doubts that they're having, the, 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 the cries of their heart. What are they really looking for? And the truth is, most people are actually just looking for love. And the face of real love is human kindness. Real acts that are measurable, that are real, making the incarnation present in very real ways to your brothers and sisters. And so on on this feast day of the glorious apostles, saints... Philip and James, we ask God for this gift for his church, that bishops would exercise that gift of uh, you know, fraternal, episcopal communion, that when bishops live in uni- unity under the truth of Jesus Christ, there is a glorious kind of radiation of divine love on earth. May our relationships be modeled after Saints Philip and James, after the Father and the Son, And may we proclaim forever the glory of the Holy Son of God who died and rose for us. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church that it may shine forth ever more splendidly the divine communion of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit among his people. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that through the intercession of Saints Philip and James, they may shine forth that apostolic zeal for souls. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for government leaders, that they may not obstruct Christ and the natural law written on every human heart. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. We pray for a renewal of Eucharistic apostolicity of the church, that the Eucharist may raise up apostles, saints of our time, to proclaim his glory. For this we pray to the Lord. And we pray for all of our beloved dead, that may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we ask you to hear us for make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Ye
7: watchers and ye holy ones, bright seraphs, cherubim, and thrones, raise the glad strain, Hallelujah! Cry out, dominions, princedoms, powers, virtuous archangels, angels, choirs, Hallelujah! 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 Respawn ye souls in endless rest, ye patriarchs and prophets, bless. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Ye holy twelve, ye martyrs, strong. All saints triumphant raise the song. Alleluia, 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 alleluia,
3: alleluia. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father.
7: May the Lord
5: Receive, O Lord, the offerings we bring for the feast day of the apostles Philip and James, and bestow on us religion pure and undefiled through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you.
7: And with your spirit.
5: Lift up your heart. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God.
7: It is right and just.
5: It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God. For you, eternal shepherd, do not desert your flock, but through the blessed apostles, watch over it and protect it always so that it may be governed by those who have appointed shepherds to lead it in the name of your Son. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Amo. Leni Sun Chelia Terra, Gloria in Benedictus, and nomine Domini, O Sahana in
3: You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ.
5: Row him and with him and in him, O God, almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours for ever and ever. Amen. Receptus salutari bus moniti, et divini institutioni formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificae tuum nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, Piat voluntas tuha, secut in celo ho et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis et emitten nobis ted nostra, sicut et nostimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos induca sententatio in sed libera nosa mahalo.
3: and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign for forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit.
5: Agnus Dei, quittoli specatum undi, miserere nomis. Agnus Dei, we toll the speck of the world, miserable no hope, We toll the Behold
3: the lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word soul shall be what Christ can see. Communion antiphon. Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Whoever has seen me, Philip, has seen the Father also. Alleluia.
8: For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion, we invite you to make an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, Come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
7: At the Lamb's high feast we sing praise to our victorious King who has washed us in the tide. Flowing from his wounded side, Praise we him whose love divine Gives his sacred blood for wine, Gives his body for the feast, Christ the victim, Christ the priest. Where the paschal blood is poured, Death's dark angel sheathes his sword. Israel's hosts triumph and go Through the wave that drowns the foe. Christ, the Lamb whose blood was shed, Paschal victim, Paschal Bread, With sincerity and love We manna from above Mighty victim from on high Powers of hell beneath thee lie Death is broken in the fight Thou hast brought us life and light Now thy banner thou dost wave Conquering Satan and the grave, See the prince of darkness quelled, Heaven's bright gates are open-held. Paschal triumph, paschal joy, Only sin can this destroy. From sin's death do those set free Souls reborn, dear Lord, in thee. Hymns of glory, songs of praise. Father, unto thee we raise. Risen Lord, all praise to thee. Ever with the Spirit be. Amen. Amen.
5: Let us pray. Purify our minds, we pray, O Lord. By these holy gifts we have received, so that contemplating you and your Son, together with the Apostles Philip and James, we may be worthy to possess eternal life through Christ our Lord.
3: The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. May God, who has granted you to stand firm on apostolic foundations, graciously bless you through the glorious merits of the holy apostles Philip and James. And may he who endowed you with the teaching and example of the apostles make you under their protection witnesses to the truth before all, so that through the intercession of the apostles you may inherit the eternal homeland, for by their teaching you possess firmness of faith. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, come down on you and remain with you forever. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life.
7: Reginae Alleluia. Qui eruisti portare, Alleluia. Resurrect Seed, Seacute Seed, Alleluia, Ora pro nobis deum, Alleluia.
3: The Prayer to Saint Michael.
0: Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Jessica Idolette from Prince of Peace. You're listening.